Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Just to start with a, a story, uh, a couple, three weeks ago, I was visiting my mother who just turned 89. She's now to the place that, uh, you know, she can't, she can't slap me for telling her age like she would have earlier days. But uh, she's in an assisted living facility, and directly from her room, right across the hallway, is another room, and there's a lady there since my father passed away a couple months ago 
she's sort of become mom's buddy and, and kind of, you know, watch person in her life, comes over and checks on that sort of thing. And, and so I went over to see my mother one day, and, I, and her, her, the chair she sits in is right in front of the door, and you can kind of, if the doors are open, it's just kind of right across the hallway. And they all, by the way, all, they all wear these little things around their necks. So they can push a button, so if there's an emergency or something, they push a button, and someone will respond uh, kind of like an emergency call button. So I, I'm sitting there, and I have to get real close to Mom because she's, she has limited hearing, so I'm kind of like up close to her, and I'm sitting there, and, and I can hear this. And the other thing that happens in these facilities is everybody talks loud. You just kind of have to do that. So I can hear the conversation in the room across the hallway, and I see one of the, one of the attendants come down and go in the room, and I hear her say, did you, Honey, did you push the button? Yeah, okay. No, that's her son. You don't need to worry about him. That's her son just coming to visit him. And I'm just thinking, this is the first time I've ever been reported to the authorities in my life. I've reached, I've reached a new level of something. I don't know how to do that. But, uh, so, but I appreciate it. She was looking out for mom and was concerned to who this person was that had come in to, to be with her. You know, but our identity is important. Who we are is important. And it's interesting as we come to this passage and we begin in verse 12 in just a moment. I want to look at it from the point of view of identity. Now, if you used printer ink and paper to print out this week's outline, I'm sorry for wasting your money because we're not going to use that today. Uh, just as I've continued to study and think about it, it's like I don't want to go as far as I originally intended. I want to spend a little more time in a shorter period, passage of Scripture. And also I, want to, I, I just want to look at it from a different point of view. And the point of view is seen in verse 12 where it says, And we urge you, next word, brethren. Do you see it there in your text? More than 60 times in his letters, the Apostle Paul uses the term to describe other believers as brothers, brethren. So it's a common phrase that he uses. And by the way, of those 60, more than 20 of them appear in First and Second Thessalonians. So you, you, you've, you can run into them all through the, uh, through the book. Back in chapter, chapter 5, verse 1, he's already mentioned it before. So it is family is the identity. We are family. And he's kind of going to give them a little bit of a family talk in these verses. Let's gather around and let's just talk here about family. So that's another reason I really didn't want to use an outline today. I want us just, would you just gather around, got a Bible, got us, and let's just talk as family today. And let's just renew and refresh our identity of who we are to each other and who we are as God sees us and how we should all work together within this framework of family. So let's just, just, just jump in. Let me read verses 12, 13, and 14 just so we get the whole flow. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. I'm sorry, time out. If you're an elementary age student, you can make your way to the back right now. I will, even, I will even interrupt a Bible reading to, to correct that wrong. Maybe we'll edit this out of the final tape as we're recording it. I don't know. Sorry about that. My bad. Let's just start over at verse 12, all right? I want you to hear the whole flavor. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, there the word is again, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves 
and for all. Family talk. Well, first of all, he talks about this dynamic of a relationship. And you, brethren, I urge you, brethren, to recognize, to pay attention, in other words, to note, to, to just give this some mental effort to think about who he's talking about, those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. So how are we going to apply this? Well, we can apply this to anyone who is a spiritual leader in the church, okay? Starting with pastors, and we see that as sort of synonymous with elders, pastors, elders, anyone else who has a spiritual role in the, in the church. And uh, we don't know in Paul's day how churches were, uh, they, were they had some organization, obviously, because it's obvious in the text in the, in the, of Scripture, but how fully organized they were compared to how we would be here in the 21st century it might be a little bit of a different thing but there were recognized leaders in the church originally appointed as new churches were were uh, instituted by those who were in of apost uh, the apostles and so forth and later that that they came up from within and were recognized within so he says i want you to put your emphasis on this i want you to put your attention on this i want you to think about this i want you to give some contemplation to this why because we're brothers here this is family truth. And he says this, who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Now, this is a very interesting pairing of concepts. Who are among you, that's equality. That's just part of the congregation. So a pastor, some other church leader, is just part of the congregation. No better, no less, just a, a person trying to grow in Christ like all of us are people trying to grow in Christ. People who are not perfect but hopefully sincere and honest, even in their failings, and moving forward, growing in Christ, okay? So among you. So a fellow worshiper, a fellow learner, a fellow follower of Christ. But then he uses this terminology as well, and are over you in the Lord. So there's this aspect of leadership where they are seen as above, in a leadership role, a supervisory role, a protective role, a modeling role, a mentoring role. So you have these things among you and over you. Now, since we have both types in this conversation right now in real time, let's just talk about how this maybe should work. And I think there's an emphasis for both points of view or both, both vantage points, and there's a danger point and an opportunity point, all right? For the person who is laboring among you, the person who is a church leader who's laboring among you, that should be the thing they focus on the most, focus on the most. I, I'm just, I'm growing, I'm here, I'm sincere, I'm honest, we're doing the, doing the things we do. I'm leading you in the Word of God, but, but I'm also learning the Word of God. I don't know everything, but what I have learned, I'm going to share with you. You put the emphasis on that. If, you, if the leader puts too much emphasis on the second part of that equation, and over you in the Lord, that can become abusive. That can become manipulative. That can become prideful. Well, listen to me. Why? Because I'm over you in the Lord. That kind of a, that, that's not the attitude. That's not the emphasis. In other words, for the leader, it needs to tilt to the among you part. Now, let's just flip it around and talk about the people who are under said authority and leadership. It works this way. They need to put their emphasis, the emphasis on over you in the Lord, not so much the among you. To recognize, and we'll see this fleshed out as we go completely through this verse, but th that this person has been appointed by God, gifted by God, equipped by God, recognized by the congregation as a special role to play and to listen, to pay attention, 
to, to honor them. Now, the difference is between recognizing and, and this, this part about seeing this, that we're seeing in verse 13, about esteeming them, is that first statement about recognizing them is to know them. In other words, you are to care for your leaders, just as the leader is to care for you. A pastor is to care for the flock. The flock is to sustain the shepherd as well. So it works both ways. So what happens is if, 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 if the folks that are being led put the emphasis on among you and forget the over you part, they're not going to give due discretion to what is being taught and how they're being led. It just can become anarchy. It can become disorganized. It can become divisive. It can become a mess. I know you're going to find this hard to believe. This is going to be shocking to you. You ready? Fasten your seatbelt. Not every, not every church works perfectly in harmony with each other. Sometimes there are fights among people in the church. Sometimes there are fights among pastors and the people in the church. Oh, that's shocking. And sometimes there's pastors that fight among themselves. Okay, So it, all, it can all happen. And the point he's making is this here. Family, listen, brethren. Think about this. I want you to mark those that are in leadership. You care for them. They care for you. There's two aspects to this. They are among you on this level of just a fellow follower of Christ, but also they've been pointed to a supervisory role, a shepherding role, a superintending role. So for the congregation, you honor that role and you support them in that. For a pastor, you honor that role of among you, that don't see yourself as high and mighty and you have all the answers and you have it all figured out and act like you're perfect because everybody knows you're not. Okay, so think that through, think that through. And he says, this end of this phrase, who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Admon I got to tell you, admonish is not a word I use in my regular everyday conversation. I, I know what it means. I can pronounce it correctly. I may be able to even to spell it correctly if I thought about it. But it's not a word that's just I use all time. I admonish, I admonish, be admonished. It has the idea in the original of being somebody who keeps somebody else on the right path. Think of a shepherd. A shepherd is someone who keeps the shepherd in a place of safety and a place of provision where they're going to have right nutrition, hydration, and so forth that they can survive and grow and reproduce. So it's that admonishing, keeping on the straight path. If you would take this word and apply it into different settings, uh, if, you, if you put it into the, into the setting of education, it would be the teacher. If you put it in the setting of the military, it would be the sergeant. Not way up at the general level, but down here on the right with the troops, leading them along, a fellow soldier, but also a leader in a leadership role. If you put it in the sports setting, it would be the coach. If you put it in, in many other settings, you could find another illustration of how this works. So he says, they admonish you. Their role over you is for this, this purpose alone, to try as God would direct with his spirit and God would inform through his word to keep us all on a path that is a path of growth, a path of service, a path of getting along with each other, and a path that helps us fulfill our mission together. A very valuable role. So, family, family talk time. Here's, here's something I want to say to you. I want to say to you, uh, you notice, I didn't just pick this verse out at random. Okay, this is just the next verse that comes in the text of the First Thessalonians. So this is not a setup. This is not a gotcha. This is not like you all are doing it so bad, I need to admonish you right here in real time. But it's an opportunity to say this, two things. Number one, thank you for all that you do 
to care for people like me and our fellow staff and our fellow leaders. You do an outstanding job and it is appreciated. So I want to say this, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It is th I'm thankful and appreciate it. Secondly, we always need to ask this question. Lowe's has this, uh, some of you have been to Lowe's. If you're building, if you have a construction thing, I've noticed every time, I'm like fixing a faucet, it's four, minimum four trips to Lowe's, anything you do, okay? Or Home Depot, wherever you go for your stuff. But they have this, their, their little advertising lingo is never stop improving. You seen that? Never stop improving. What they mean is they want you to fix another faucet so you can come back four more times and they get more money. That's what they mean by it. But I think that's a good motto for us as believers. Never stop improving. We are, I, I, I say this to a church that I commend greatly and I'm very appreciative of. And I've been here 11 years now and going on 12 and it's been, an, it's been amazing to see this church family continue to come together as God brings people in. I love asking the question when I meet someone for the first time. Well, how did you come to be here? And it's amazing. It's, it's from A to Z. As simple as, I, I, honestly, I got off the wrong exit on the interstate and I ran into you. I've heard that one. Or we've seen you online. Or most frequently, somebody invited me. So keep doing that. But, but God brings this, has brought this family together. We do so, so many things so well. Keep going. But ask yourselves, can I do more? Is there something I could do? to assist in the ministry, and I need to ask myself as a pastor, what else can I do to be the admonisher, to be the one that's going to help guide, to encourage you, to lift you up, to point you in the right direction, to gently correct when the sheep sort of get into a place of danger and to see those dangers out there. What can I, and I want you to simply do this. As part of your prayer time, and you can even whisper it right now in the privacy of your own heart, Lord, what can I do to contribute to the family, the spiritual family that I'm a part of? What can I do? A lot of it is not something that's action, although action is part of it. A lot of it is attitudinal. What, how should I think? How should I respond? How can I, how can I do those things? So that is, that is verse 12. He continues the theme now in verse 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So these leaders, and he's, he's telling them now, he's a leader started church. He's now been removed. He's wanted to go back, but he hadn't been able to go back to Thessalonica. So the leaders that are there, he's encouraging, you take care of your leaders, you take care of those, and here, how's you do that? First of all, he says, you esteem them. Esteem is really sort of a, an accounting term or, a, or a, a construction term. When you're going to build something, you need to count the cost. So a lot of times people will come and give you an estimate. We have some work we're working on HVAC here, and we're getting estimates on how much it costs. And in today's world, that's always done with a little bit of shock once you hear how much stuff costs. But we're, you, know, you get an estimate, someone estimates it, or something is, is, is accounted for. He says, what you need to do is, as you esteem, is you need to estimate the value of this person in the economy of God. You need to assign to them value and estimate how this is important to me in my life and how this is important to our church life and how important the church is to the greater thing that God is doing, which is building his church universal. So it's that esteem. Esteem them. Now notice the, 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 the motivation. Esteem them very highly in love. How many times when you're reading the scriptures does the word love just kind of shoehorn its way back into the text? In the New Testament, it's love, it's love, it's love, it's love. By the way, we've talked about this many times before too. Love is not just an emotion. 
Love is choice and action, and the emotion then will follow. So what choices and what actions can I do to honor and estimate this leader's value in my life and in my world and in love? And I'll just give you one practical way that means more than I know how to express. As that is, you pray for those that are in leadership over you, spiritually. Because they are all not perfect people. Let me just say it that differently. All of them are not perfect people. And they need prayer. And sometimes it gets, it gets difficult. Sometimes it gets wearisome. Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, don't grow weary in well-doing. You can be doing the right thing and still get tired and get worn down and get stressed. Don't get weary in well-doing, but he says, knowing this, in due season, at the right time, you will, you will reap if you don't faint. So we just keep going. Yeah, get tired, but keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't, don't park along the side. And uh, it just dawned on me a while back that in pastoral ministry next year, 2023, if the Lord carries and I'm still around, if I haven't, uh, haven't, if I haven't been carted off, that uh, that'll mark 40 years of pastoral ministry. And I'm like, that's a long time. I'm surely not old enough to have gotten in 40 years already. Well, actually I am. But uh, just to keep going, and, 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 and that is what sustains people like me is the prayers of God's people. And thank you. And then some of you say, I pray for you, Pastor. I pray for you regularly. I pray for the staff. I pray for leaders of the church. That means more than you know. God does great things with that. So do it out of love. And notice this next prepositional phrase, for their work's sake. Sometimes I'll have people, they don't, they're, they're kind to say this, leaving me out of the equation. But sometimes with people, they'll tell me their favorite pastor. And usually it's somebody that's on TV or written books, Okay. Or, or in today's world, they have a really cool podcast. Okay, that's how that works. And that's fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with getting spiritual in, in, input from somebody who's a teacher of the Word of God, that sort of thing. But I do notice this, that some people will say, well, I like this or not that one. Well, this one, I like the way he preaches, but the way they, they preach is not, you know. You understand this esteeming is not based on a popularity scale. This estimation of worth is not based on I like him because that's the kind of personality I like. It's not based on how friendly they are to me. Now, they should have a good personality. They should relate well to you. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we make this judgment call based on something other than what it says right here in the text of Scripture. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. We honor them because they are doing sacred work. We honor them and we estimate their worth and value and we express love to them. I gave you one easy example of prayer that, uh, that we, we do to move forward. And then there's one more thing that you could do. I do have pastor friends and sometimes we talk to each other. I haven't actually put this out to a poll. I, I was thinking if I had thought ahead enough, ahead of time enough, I should have gotten texted a bunch of them and said, uh, vote on these two, three things. But I think I know. So I think I'm safe in saying this. If you want to do something that's really grand for your pastor, you want to do something that's just off the charts, amazingly good. It's better than chocolate cake with chocolate icing. It's better than a day at the beach. It's better than anything else. It's the last phrase of verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Be at peace among yourselves. Amen. Amen. Are the pastors in the room going to say amen? Thank you. There's nothing more time-consuming, disheartening, a real pain, to deal with that when people are fighting with each other and they don't need to be. Now, 
we're all going to have difference of opinions. We're all going to, you know, sometimes maybe offend each other. But he says, be at peace among yourselves. Don't go to war. You can have a disagreement. You can work something out. You can let yourself calm down. You might have to get together and talk this out or whatever. But don't go to war with each other. Be at peace among yourselves. I just want to give you one illustration. There's a group of people in the room that are going to back me up on this, okay? Let me talk to the mothers in the room, okay? How peaceful would it be if you have multiple children in your home or you have had multiple children in your home? How peaceful it would be to have a day where your children don't fight with each other? You know that feeling? Did you ever have that feeling? Did it ever last very long when you had that feeling? It's the same thing for us who are trying to lead people. Be at peace among yourselves. It comes down to simply this. This is attitude again. Sometimes we just need to say, for the sake of the ministry, to esteem someone that's doing God's work, and because God would be pleased by this, I'm not going to let that turn into a fight. I'm not going to let that turn into a problem. I'm not going to let that turn. Let love cover. Love can cover a multitude of sins. Leave it and let it rest. Lord, you work on my heart. Maybe you need to work on theirs too, but work on, start with the work with me. Be at peace among yourselves. So, let's go back to Lowe's one more time. I told you you had to go to Lowe's multiple times, right? That's just the way that works. Never stop improving. And sometimes it's hard to be very authentic with ourselves. I saw a cartoon recently, and it showed this picture of this man, and he's looking in the mirror. It says, the greatest invention of all time. It says, you push a button on the mirror, and it goes to Photoshop mode, and it changes your image in the mirror. Can you imagine? I bet you could make some money with that. You could sell them at Lowe's if you wanted to. But, you know, what you see in the mirror is what really is there, okay? You don't, you know, you can, you can do it on your phone and put, a, put one of those filters and take all the wrinkles out and all the, all the freckles off or whatever you need to do and change our appearance. But, you know, we are the real us, and we need to take a look at the real us and how can I improve? Am, am I, do I have a feisty attitude? Do I have a problem with anger? Do I have a problem of squabbling? Do I have a problem of self-focus? I need to work on that, being at peace among all people, perhaps. I need to love, let love be the motivator, and to esteem that what's going on in the spiritual realm is of significance. That's how he talks to the family. So, we have work to do. We have much to do. Now, he's going to continue this thought, 14, 15, really all the way through verse 22. And it is so, and if you just kind of glance down over it, it's, it's, just, it's just like a whole laundry list of things, all right? And I was going to try to cram all the laundry into one basket, and I realized it wasn't going to fit, okay? So I'm going to leave some of that laundry list coming. But we're going to continue to talk like family, okay? So I'm not going to give you a, a stop, a, a hard stop this morning. We're just going to push the pause button. We're going to come back to it, Lord willing, next week. But God wants us, I believe, as a family every once in a while to come back and say, what is important? What is important? What is important is God's work. What is important is that I am part of that work and I contribute to it through my attitude, through my heart, through my effort, through my giving, through my service, all those things. And Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Adam mentioned several of those things about getting involved and all those things are very, very important. But just ask, how am I doing? And just simply come back to this reality. Never stop improving. Now, let me go back to the word brethren one more time in verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, we urge you, brothers. I just want to take a moment and remind you how you become a brother or a sister. It's not because you walk through the door of a church, although we are excited that you walk through the door of a church. Okay, we like that, all right? But that's not what makes you a brother. 
or a sister. It's not doing a bunch of stuff religiously. It's not saying, I've got to fix my life and change it drastically. That's not something you can self-generate. God wants to get involved in that. You become a brother by entering the family, and that's done by believing in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the only way that works. And I just want to take a moment and say, if that is something you're not sure of, we would love to have a conversation with you and answer your questions. And maybe it will take more time than we can even do this morning, but sometime very, very soon, we want to get together and have that conversation with you. We'd love to see you come to Christ. The folks that uh, have joined us for membership that I just read their names, one of the things they share in the membership process, membership matters process, they share how they came to know Christ as Savior. And you guys that get to be in there, you're, you're blessed to hear those stories of coming to Christ. We'd love to hear your story because the day came when you trusted Christ as your Savior. You might be here as a visitor. You might be here as a regular. That's good. We're glad for that. We'd love to have you here as a brother or sister. If we could help you take that initial step to coming to know Christ as Savior, we stand ready to do it. This, this, this Sunday, I'm going to stay here at the front. If you want to, as even we're dismissed, I'll be here for a little bit. If you want to talk to me about that or anything else, Pastor Adam already mentioned he'll be at the back. He'll be available. Pastor Tim's around. Uh, or maybe you could have that conversation with a Christian friend. That would be fine, too. We want to help you to take that step. For those of us who are brothers and sisters, never stop improving. Never stop improving. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. And thanks too for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.